When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, the music you're hearing right now is from a band you're getting very familiar with by now, I'm sure. This is Strike Force, one of my personal favorite bands on the roster over at High Vol Music. This is awesome stuff. It's a song called Doomsday. And if you want more info on Strike Force, and I know you do, it's available in today's show notes or over at highvolmusic.com. That's H-I-G-H-V-O-L music.com. Welcome back to the Decibel Geek Podcast. I'm Aaron Camaro. Chris Sinzak's right there. And he's got Chopper with him. I do. I got a co-pilot here. He's, you know, Chopper's been a part of the show for a long time. He has. He's a not-so-miniature pincher. (laughs) <laughs> he is a one round hound he fits in around here yeah he does <laughs> heck yeah we love chopper we love to have a good time around here we had a great time last week we did it was uh, nice to look back on five years of doing yeah the show. that was really cool man you did a hell of a job with that edit. Oh, it thanks, was dude. it was pretty cool the way you went in and found those cool pieces of history throughout <laughs> decibel geek and and fit them in there through our conversation man i liked it a lot it was it made me feel good to go back and listen to that again yeah. because we've been through a lot together. Yeah, and it was uh, it was nice to know that our volu- that our sound quality is at this level compared to the level <laughs> on a number of those early clips. Yikes! I really got a chuckle out of that, man. We really kind of, I mean, you can really see the evolution, if not in quality, yeah. than anything else with the Decibel Geek because, man, some of them early clips were bad. They sound like we were, bad. sound like we were underwater recording. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why we didn't get any iTunes reviews back then. Not as many. But now, now we're doing all right. We've get we're getting these iTunes. Especially reviews. lately, you guys have been awesome. Keep keep bringing them to yeah, us. Yeah, we love it. You guys know we love it a lot, so keep them coming. I've got another one for you right here. Here's a perfect example. Holy shit, this is a long one, Chris. Yeah, I wanted to make you read today. Okay, well, here goes. This is my first time reading it, so Let's give it a shot. It's called Great for Long Trips and Learning About Music, and it comes to us from Tyson Leslie. I know him. Nice. I know him, too. Well, I didn't meet him, but I know I know of his grand parties that he puts on. We just went to one. Here's how it goes. It's five stars the way we love it. Whether it's music I already love or bands I've never heard of, 
or even bands that I've heard of but don't realize they're putting out newer material. These guys hit on all the points. They have great guests, both literal and imaginary. VV was funny, though. (laughs) Somebody liked it. Yeah, I'm glad he could appreciate it. That's good. Uh, Let's see. Conduct thoughtful interviews and some of my favorite people, Sheehan, Wagner, Ryan Cook, etc., 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 and play really great material that isn't the same old crap other 80s hard rock shows will shove down your throat. They're also very supportive of the local Nashville, Tennessee community, which I dig a lot since I'm a part of it. I love their overall approach and always hear something new that I've never heard before every time I listen, which, as a result, causes me to seek out more music from that artist. I've purchased items from their Amazon shop and will continue to support this great entertaining podcast for as long as it's around. Great work, guys. Hopefully one day I'll be able to hang out with you and sit in on the fun. Tyson. So cool. I'm sure he can. I told him he's got an invite to come over. Absolutely. That'd be a lot of close fun. close to here, too. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I told him, like, you got to come hang out, man. No, man, Tyson does the rare hair parties here in Nashville, and, and it's and it's I'm, it's for decibel geeks, for sure. Yeah, and basically the format is it's local musicians, and some of which you've seen play with people that we play on the show. Yeah. Um, Cause all just doing, Nashville getting now, together yeah. in groups and um, playing songs. Like basically '80s era hard rock songs that are deep tracks, right? And like or bands that were deep bands, you know. Like right. They had, you know, they just did a, a show the other night that we were both at. It was actually on the actual fifth anniversary of the show, so it was quite a celebration. They of, didn't even uh, realize day. it was the Decibel Geek five year celebration. Well, no, then it would have but moved to the local arena if they had known that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, they uh, no hockey games tonight, yeah, yeah. Predators. Sorry, Predators. It's Decibel Geek night. But now there was like songs by like bands like Junkyard, Jet Boy, yeah, and, uh, Enough's Enough, Enough's Enough, and well, one of our guests today, Jeremy Asbrock. Well, yes, he played an Enough's Enough tune that That's night. Right. Was in on that, so it's it's very cool you know nashville is really becoming rock and roll and like tyson said you know to be a part of this scene is it's very cool oh we're just we're happy to we're just we're lucky we're We're lucky and and we love seeing what it's turning into because you know decibel geek is cool but the fact that we're here in nashville i think you know it benefits us almost more than if we're in la right i'd rather be here than anywhere else yeah for sure right now the way things are growing this is for our audience and what we cover this is the perfect place to be yeah we're finally Finally killing that stereotype of country music, oh, USA. God. No, this is oh, and Music City. Well, I should mention at the Rare Hair Show, they had a pretty good opening band on the show. <laughs> yeah, Faster Pussycat. That's right. And how great were they? They were really good, man. I was, uh, this was my first time seeing them live. And, and they put, I, mean, I guess it's just Tammy from the classic lineup and these right. other guys, but they looked good. They sounded good. It was, yeah. it was, a f- and the crowd really ate them up. They really, yeah. Liked oh, yeah. Them. We all had a good time. I yeah. enjoyed it a lot. I've seen Fast Pussycat three times now, and man, they're awesome. Really, really loud. Yeah, really loud. <laughs> it's really loud in there. It's really cool. <laughs> we like it a lot. And I think, uh, I think Tammy was on his second or third carton of cigarettes by the time they were on the stage. Good Lord, that man smokes a lot. That's his thing. You probably don't smoke it all during the day. I would hope not for his. Then he lungs. gets on stage and he smokes as much as he would all day. Yeah, I mean, it was one right after another. I was yeah. waiting for him to have two lit up at the same time. I was like, holy shit, he smokes a lot. He does. You have to to keep that voice going. Yeah. You know who who really loves loud loud music? Mm. Geeks of the week. 
They love loud music. Okay, Geeks of the Week. If you don't know what Geeks of the Week is, every week I read the names of the people that share it on Facebook or retweet it on Twitter the previous week's show. So if you like this week's show and you want to help spread the word, just do that and I'll say your name next week. And Geeks of the Week this week are Chris Karam, Mike Tyler, Jeremy Bednarski, new member of the staff. Welcome. Right on. Rich Canamar, Sean Irwin, Baco, Rock and Ron Runyon, Rich Meister Dillon, Mike Stewart, Kevin Williams, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, Andrew Kiss from Podcast Rock City. His real name is Andrew Kiss. Really? Yeah, and he's a Kiss fan. I always thought that was just a gimmick, no. but that's his real last it's a name. real huh? last name. Wow. And uh, let's see, Cal Hens, Joe Lascon, Brad Kalmanson, Billy Hardaway. Oh, Billy Hardaway. He's a buttercup. Yeah, was that what it was? He's totally a buttercup. Yeah. Uh, Brian Knapp, Andrew Jacobs, Derek Leva, Ian Wildley from Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Cool World, Alex Ferrick, Wayne Cross, Greg York, Otto Erling Gregerson, Mark Alden Taylor, John Phillips, Kenneth Roy, Sean Cullen, Brent Tibbetts, Greg McGlone, Shane Aber, Joshua Toomey, Mikhail Burrell, Jerry DeLapp, Dan Chaput, Warren Money, Alan Big Al Tate, Adam Cox, Music Mags and Wax, Martin Wenham, The Mooger Fugger, Billy Hardcore, Ernesto Aguiar, Paul Watson, TJ Cullen, Alex Thorne, and Collins. See, now we both had to read a lot. But yeah. that's a good thing. Thank you, everybody, for getting out there and spreading the word Decibel Geek. Without you, we'd probably still have 20 listeners. Those 20 people right there. That'd be it. But you're out there spreading the word, and it's helping us out a ton, and we love you and appreciate you for it. Now... To get to today's festivities, this is going to be a good one, man. We've been wanting to get these two guys on the show for a long time, and this is. And some people say, "Oh, it's just you bringing in your friends." Well, yes, we're bringing in our friends, but, but these guys but got good some reason, yeah, because they got some amazing insight to what we're talking about today. And what we're talking about is great guitar duos yep. throughout rock and roll history. And these two guys are an amazing guitar duo. Yep. And so we figured. We'll hang out with our friends. You guys know Jeremy Asbrock. He's been on the show before yep. when we did the uh, discussion with the Big Rock awesome. Show. Everybody loved him. Well, guess what? Jeremy's back, and we got a new friend with us today, Phil Schaus. These guys are some of the coolest dudes I've ever met. And if there's anyone that's going to give us insight into the great guitar duos of rock and roll history, it's these guys. Yeah, and they're awesome players themselves, and uh, we've talked about them numerous times on the show but they are part of the rock and roll residency, which is, as we talked about Nashville being a scene that's growing, they're directly responsible for a lot of it, yeah. a lot of that growth. And if you were it's, on the Def Leppard cruise, man, you know all about the rock and roll residency. Yeah, they pretty much saved the cruise. And they've made a real name for themselves here in town, and we've been a number of times, and it's just a good time. And if you're in Nashville on Tuesdays, you owe it to yourself to come. Go to their Facebook page and like it. Yeah, and there's T-shirts now. Oh, nice. So uh, I guess we'll get to it. You'll hear all the plugs throughout. But this is a really fun talk with Jeremy and Phil. So pretty much what I figured where it all starts with great guitar duos is where pretty much everything starts in rock and roll with the Beatles, the Stones, and even the Beach Boys. Because the Beatles, of course, they had John Lennon and George Harrison, you know, and that was, that was a huge thing because there weren't a lot of bands before that that actually had two guitar players in the band like that. Yeah. Stones, you got Keith yeah. Richards and Brian Jones at the beginning, 
You know, and that was a huge thing. And even Carl Wilson and Al Jardine from the Beach Boys. So I think it's kind of interesting that this all starts where most rock and roll mm -hmm. starts with those three bands. Yeah, right. The Beatles were the first time that I like watched an old tape of them. Was like you can see their hands playing live, and that's mm -hmm. the first time I went. Well, John's playing a G down here, lower, mm -hmm. and George's playing one up higher. That's where I kind of got the first thing of, oh, you can play different stuff. two guitars make sense, you know? Right. Sure, yeah, it adds a lot more to it. You know, and then you get into the 60s, of course you got the Kinks with uh, Dave and Ray Davies. Mm -hmm. You guys love the yeah. Kinks? Yeah. 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 Right. John and Tom Fogarty from CCR. Um, even Jefferson Airplane, you talk about uh, Yorma Kalkonen and uh, Paul Kantner. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, that's yeah. a guitar duo that yeah. I think most people would kind of overlook if they're mm -hmm. thinking about it. And, uh, and then the Yardbirds, you know, you got Chris Dredge, and then he played with Platt and Dad and Jimmy Page. Just a minute it happened, but yeah, then Beck left, but yeah, right it was amazing. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of where it all kicks off from in the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the basis of it. So then you get into the 70s, and I think one of the first bands to actually feature a, like a dual lead guitar parts was an old band called Wishbone Ash. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. just for this interview, like we're yeah. all right on, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. those guys, Andy Powell and Ted Turner, uh -huh. you know, and they say that you know before this was the band that influenced bands like Priest mm -hmm. to come out and have actual dual lead players instead of just one rhythm, one doing lead. So, right. so Ted Turner was doing that before he started CNN, and, and yeah, and yeah, Ted's that... Montana Grill. That's right. Okay, <laughs> well, he got all his recipes okay. from. 
<laughs> Wishbone. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there it all comes together. Man, I, I think when you get into the seventies, though, there's so many dual guitar player bands. Yeah. And it's just yeah. that's where it really endless exploded. list. Yeah, I guess really the Yard, the Yardbirds probably when it was back in page with the first two dual lead. Right. Treasure didn't really play. He's mainly rhythm, and then whoever mm-hmm. was playing lead, but. Those two guys, even though it was for a few months, that was kind of the first one, and it was just too much. Right, the, yeah. The, um, one had to go. But yet in the 70s, every, every, everything everybody explodes. had one. So then in the 70s, then the Stones continue, then they get Mick Taylor to play with Keith Richards for a while, and then Keith Richards and Ronnie Wood. And that, to me, I think that's a big one right there, Ronnie Wood Huge. and Keith Richards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Massive. same time yeah. <laughs> and rhythm at the same time and they weave brilliantly uh, between each other yeah yeah they're great but you know most of those bands were like spawn of Yardbirds and Rolling Stones right mm-hmm. New York Dolls Rolling Stones sure Aerosmith, yeah. Aerosmith. Rolling Stones. exactly yeah you got uh, of course Joe Perry Brad Whitford from Aerosmith mm-hmm. you know. Brad is definitely the uh, X factor in that band yeah and definitely again, wouldn't hear enough credit no, no, no way. way. You know, for what he contributed to the band over the years. And of course, everybody always talks about Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Brad is such a huge part of that sound, you know. And you're right, I don't think he does get enough credit. Yeah. Buxton and Michael Bruce from the Alice Cooper oh, yeah. band. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. For sure. And well, then Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter. Going with those sure. guys. Well, and they were, their connection also with Aerosmith, Aerosmith doing Aerosmith, yeah. the trying and to Kiss. Right. And Kiss, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, those guys were, I mean, they played on the soundtrack. Bob the glue there. He right. really is. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You don't want Bob Ezrin producing your album. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about uh, Dwayne Allman and Dickie Betts? Yeah, I, I love the Almonds. Never heard of them. Never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta play you song, man. It's really good. <laughs> you got a half hour. Alright, here's one I know you guys can definitely relate to. Thin Lizzy at Scott Gorman and uh, Brian Robertson. 
then they went from that to Gary Moore replaces Brian Robertson, and then yeah. Scott and him, they are a great guitar duo together. Black and then Rose is great. Yeah, and then yeah. even later on, they had Snowy, Snowy White, White, and they mm -hmm. those guys yeah. were able to combine. And Midge Ur also. Yeah. It was always, yeah. Gorham was always the constant factor, but yep. and then John Sykes came on for the last one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got like all of their combinations. We're those guys all the time. Yeah. yeah. For the Robo, the Robo yeah. and Gorham for lineup for me, is, I mean, they're great, but I mean, that lineup for me is yeah. the classic. That's so the one. Those two guys were just phenomenal. Talking about Lizzie, we have to talk about the Thin Lizzie tribute band you guys do called Jimmy the Weed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got to see y'all play at Basement East, and I mean, it's it's like listening to the record live. I mean, I was tro really blown away by it. And yeah, I just, I was really into that. And you guys are massive Thin Lizzie fans. You just did a show on St. Patrick's Day. You always have at least one day a year yeah. on St. Patty's Day. <laughs> right on. So, was there going to be more of those planned for the rest of the year? Yeah, we've been doing that one for four, five years, yeah. Yeah. something like that. And we don't make any money at those gigs. Oh, really? Hardly anybody comes, but it's one of our favorites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, especially for guitar duo For that stuff. 45 yeah. minutes, yeah. we are in Thin Lizzy. <laughs> That's awesome. But it sounds like you're listening to Thin Lizzy. <laughs> I was like, I could, I could, we, and we haven't really learned any many new songs in the, in the recent years, but I could play that set of like 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Every night and yeah. not get tired of it. It's just so much fun. It's challenging. It's just and it's just oh, it's the definitely songs challenging. Are fucking great. And they sound great live. Yeah, yeah. it's just powerful. And I even had uh, Scott and uh, Damon Johnson on my list. So I mean, because of the Black yeah. Star writers. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I guess they're going back out to do more Thin Lizzy dates this year. Mm -hmm. What I heard. The 40th anniversary. I yeah. Think. Wow. Well, gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, from jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 40th anniversary of jailbreak. Is it really that? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Oh, okay. But yeah, we're all getting old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw Blackstar when they came through. They were great. And I, I love Damon. Yeah. Damon's just awesome. So, yeah. And uh, he's a great fit for that group. Yeah. And Scott was super nice to me. <clears throat> I think I he's love, a super nice guy. They played, uh, was it Southbound? I thought that was awesome to hear a lot. Yeah. They did that. They did uh, Don't Believe a Word. Yep. Their Wizzy oh, right choice on. was killer. It was an amazing set list. It wasn't just the typical stuff you thought you would hear. All right, so then from there, I guess um, Foghat was a big band with the double lead attack with Lonesome Dave Peverett and Rod Price. Um, you got Dave Hill and Naughty Holder from Slade. Yeah. Right. Those guys, yeah. I don't think, get enough credit.
um, John Cade, about 50 other guitar players over the years. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Steppenwolf, you know. Uh, we talked about Aerosmith, the Eagles, Don Felder, and Joe Walsh. Yeah, killer. You yeah. know, it's not heavy metal, but you they can't are, deny yeah. that Arms. those guys could lock in and yeah, those guys really play fantastic. off each other. New York Dolls earlier, Johnny Thunder and Sylvain Sylvain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys got any thoughts, New York Dolls? It's, it's like it's one of those bands they're killer and I, I don't not like them I just don't know I just haven't like dug in yeah, or anything, right. but I like two of my favorite bands Aerosmith and Kiss are spawned from that spawned Direct kind of from that whole thing yeah. yeah so and we may actually have uh, one of those guys jam on Tuesdays with us coming up Sylvain yeah nice I was, I've been hoping for this for because I, I bought an autograph poster from him last year and I've been begging him to come on the show and we talked on the phone a couple of times, and I was like, there's a thing on Tuesdays you have to play. Yeah. And I've been bugging him. I've sent him a message like every couple of months going, you should really go out there and play with those guys. So we're going we're gonna to try to get it together. But yeah, I'd love to see him play with you guys. Yeah, if you want, it works out. There's a documentary on YouTube about them, and then also there's a documentary on uh, Arthur Killer Kane. I saw that one. That's, a, that one. that's a great little history of the band. Yeah. So. Well, I guess we're talking about the 70s. Here's a, here's a guitar duo that you guys, I'm sure, will talk quite a bit about with us. And you, we couldn't do it. It's the Decibel Geek Podcast. We wouldn't do it without mentioning... Tommy Thayer and Paul Stanley. <laughs> Slow down, man. Slow down. We're not even into that era yet. Okay, we're still comes, in the 70s. Here you comes can't the even mail. contain yourself. <laughs> here's to it. Of course, we're talking about the 70s. I'm talking about Ace Frehley and Paul Stanley. Yeah. I'm trying to think. It's like, where where do I start with these guys? Uh, yeah, just and there's the arrangements are smarter than they get. Kiss is way smarter than anybody gives them credit for. Right. Uh, musically too. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, they stacked chords really cool. Same thing as the Beatles, like yep. Paul play uh, like a power chord down here, and Ace would play an octave higher. Right. So, yeah. it, you know, you have two guitars, so like four guitars. Right. And uh, when we're when 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 uh, we started getting together for our Kiss tribute band that we do, Jeremy's Ace and I'm Paul. It's like I've learned Ace's parts over the years. You know, mm-hmm. playing lead guitars, but now I got to learn the rhythms. And they're really, really, really smart, really, yeah. really clever. Mm-hmm. And Paul's, a, you know, doesn't get near enough credit as a guitarist. He's, pretty he's good a good lead, lead, player, lead player, player too. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, done it. he's a great rhythm player. Oh, and sure. Just, the arrangements are smart. I wish they had collaborated more with each other, though, because there's not a ton of co-writes between the two of them. Right. But, like, Rock Bottom, they wrote that together, and, um, yeah. was it, I think, was it Coming Home that they wrote together? Yeah, or, Coming Home was yeah. it. Yeah. This, it was great. And then, like, well, with Rock Bottom, it's the acoustic thing, but then, like, on uh, Dress to Kill, there's a lot of, one of them doing acoustic, one of them doing electric. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, the solo to I Want You is really awesome, where they split it in, in mm. half. Yeah. Or is it I Stole Your Love? No, it's... I want you. I want That's a cool story where they go back and forth. But Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I Stole Your Love splits, too, yeah, doesn't it? Does it, does it, it yeah. Both of them. Both yeah. of them do, yeah. But, yeah, it's cool because they have their own distinct sounds to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I yeah, I can't say enough about those two together. And it's easy enough to learn. Like, when you're just learning guitar, uh-huh. you can learn even the solos. Right. So you're like, wow, I'm playing, I'm playing a real solo. Nice. <laughs> I always think of Detroit Rock City. Oh sure. The way na 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 na, and then the other one oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in with it, you know, and it's like.
yeah, you've heard that song a million times, but when you hear it for the million and first time, that part in that song still grabs still me every great. single time. You Bob Ezrin. Bob Ezrin. Yeah. Bob Ezrin. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I, Kiss is one of my favorites and huge biggest influences on everything, so... Right on. And, I, you know, when I was putting this list together, I noticed a lot of the official lists out there, they exclude... You know, a, a guy who sings and you know plays guitar as a duo, but I don't. Right. I didn't think that it should be unfair just because a guy's an awesome guitar player and he sings to disqualify him from our discussions. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I think exactly. Kiss, Paul, Ace—they all get a part. Yeah, guys. absolutely. All right, so still in the '70s, then let's see. I'm up to uh, the Scorpions. You know, it started out with uh, Rudy and Michael Schenker. And uh, Shanker, <laughs> and then and then uh, and Robbie, that, yeah, Robbie, and Robbie Shanker, Robbie Shanker, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that's Rudy along with Uli John Roth, which both of those are great guitar duos yeah. right there from the seventies. Yeah, yeah, it's killer. I love it. Yeah, a lot of people don't really give that early, early stuff. You know, I think Scorpions, a lot of people think Rocky like a hurricane. And the band started right there. Yeah, yeah, and but there's the so thing. much before that. So yeah, much. 50 years. It's like White Snake. It's like, you yeah. know, there's this other White Snake you don't know anything about. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like White Snake UK. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul Rogers, Mick Ralph's Bad Company. Yeah. Paul yeah. Rogers, another one, great singer, but people don't give him don't the Don't even realize he played guitar yeah. in that band. Yeah, added a lot of guitar to yeah. all that. Hmm. Of course, you know, I think this is, you, you can't have this discussion without it. Glenn Tipton and K.K. Downing from Priest. Absolutely, I think if I was putting together a top three or whatever, I mean, it'd be, hard, it'd be hard to argue not to have that as your number one. That's such a visual image too. Like yeah. The, those those two guys, like the Scorpions, mm. like when it was uh, Matthias and Rudolph, like the image of the those two guys up front together yeah. it was the same thing as the priest. Choreography yeah. was the lead guitar player or rhythm guitar player.
lead right. guitar. Yeah. 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 And they switch back and forth and it's all so seamless and it's perfect, you know, and then then you see the live, you know, live, you know, see them when they're playing, kind of, like yeah, the chore- into it. choreography and everything, and just adds to it, like with Kiss too. Yeah, you know, but you know, the, just the, you know, that with accept, right? You know, the yeah. same way. Yeah. That's such a big image, you know, the two flying V's and yeah, yeah man, all that. that's powerful stuff. Yeah. You know, and those guys were, I think, the epitome of a great guitar duo. Yeah, um, Saxon for years they had Paul Quinn and Graham mm-hmm. Oliver. Yeah, that's an awesome guitar duo that most people don't think of. But here's one that everybody knows and everybody thinks of, Angus and Malcolm Young. Yeah, because yeah. that's another one too where Malcolm kind of gets left in the shadow because of Angus, you know, mm-hmm. who Angus is and the, the idea and the image of it and all. But man, what would those ACDC songs be without Malcolm? It's Malcolm's band, kind of. Yeah. He wrote. Most people I know are, are Malcolm people because they're the ones that appreciate mm-hmm. it, you know. And he wrote the lion's share of that stuff. And right. Kinda his, his, he's the older brother, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And you can hear something missing when he's not with them. I mean, it's not quite. Oh, yeah. It's not quite the same. And most people are like, "Oh, it's just the same three chords." But it's there's a certain way you play those chords. Really, right. it's, it's hard to, to really duplicate that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like, and I don't know if you have uh, status quo on there, but I'm a huge status quo fan. Uh-huh. And uh, Francis Rossi and Rick Parfit. Kind of like a Angus Malcolm thing, where it's Francis always played lead, yeah. and Rick always played kind of rhythm stuff. The way those two guys work together, it's killer. Awesome, yeah. yeah. If, if I'm missing anything, just interject them if I yeah. can think of it. Um, next one I got is Joan Jett and Lita Ford on the Runaways. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, that's one you don't really think of. Right. You know, they think of them two separate a lot, mm-hmm. but then you got to think, hey, they they were a guitar duo. Yeah, they I always the forget they were. Oh, they were in a band together. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a band you were talking about earlier: Richie Rano and Brendan Harkin of Stars. That's oh yeah, a guitar yeah. duo right uh-huh. there. Stars last week, right? Yeah, you, and you had uh, Bobby Masano, Masano yeah. out, mm-hmm. who played on Coliseum Rock. Yep, yep. I'm getting the vibe that those guys don't like him very much. <laughs> yeah, the who? Uh, but anybody that was in Stars previous <laughs> to, yeah. or w- with him, except him. Yeah, but they so. don't like Bobby. Yeah. So yeah. let's hope they work that out. Yeah. Well, well uh, I, I, my friend who has a record <clears throat> store up north here, he uh, he's friends with Brendan and like interviewed him for this little thing he does. 
And, uh, yeah, Brendan does not have very fond memories of even doing the Stars thing in the first place. Yeah. I think he's made most of his money doing production work. And, yeah. But, yeah, he gave the guy, like, his scrapbooks and his acetates and all this. He's like, here, you, you can have it. He's like, don't Jeez. you want to hand this down to somebody? He's like, nah. He's like, wow. it's, it's part of my life, but it's not the most important part. Wow. He's like, you'll appreciate it more than me. So, and he yeah. sure did. Well, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> all that I'm thumbing through that heard. stuff going, why the hell would you let this go? But I was like, okay. Was, was I what happened to me and Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a bunch of unreleased stuff nobody's ever heard before, man. You yeah. just go ahead and take this. You sure don't want Seems this? like a nice yeah, guy. Here's the Christine 16 demo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. Wow. Where is, somebody's got that I'll thing, never let it. Gene have it, but you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when the name of the band is Ted Nugent, it's kind of hard to remember what a great guitar duo he was with Derek St. Holmes. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. 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 solo on Wang Dang on Double Live Gonzo's is Derek. Yeah. And you can't tell. It's like they're kind of, you know, one got it from the other one. I'm not saying who, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a really, really, really similar style in those leads. And you feel like you're close enough and like, that's not Ted. Right, yeah. You can hear when Ted takes over. Yeah. It always amazed me how much that, you know, when your band is named after the person. Like, you people don't even realize that Derek St. Holmes is even in this band, you know, when they're when yes. they're not really familiar with yeah. what's going on. Ted did the same stranglehold. What do you mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah you get a lot of that, you uh, know. Thank and then God you, you think exactly. <laughs> you get that with the vocals, you know. Of course, you get it with the guitar. And I think Derek St. Holmes don't get nearly as much credit uh, as he deserves yeah, not, for not all near, that great no music. No way. Over the years, I so wish he had stayed done stuff with Ted through the '80s. Yeah, because the '80s were not a good period for Ted. No, really. no. Uh-uh. I so own Penetrator, means... and I never. Listened to it. <laughs> That's <laughs> a tough one, one. One time, uh, nah, never again. I'll just file that one away. I saw Ted open for Kiss on the "If You Can't Lick 'Em, Lick 'Em." Oh yeah, that yeah. was the name of the tour. That was the album. Oh, that was, oh if you can't if lick 'em, lick 'em. Wow. Oh, that's the one with the chick. She was a boxer, right? Yeah. Or is yep. that something else? Yeah. Was that what Kiss tour was that? Crazy Nights. Crazy Nights. Oh, okay, okay. I saw that, that. I saw them too on the farewell. Yeah, I did. I saw him open yeah. for Kiss on the farewell tour. And he alienated about sixty percent of the audience when I was on. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I Everybody was like, "Shut up and play your fucking guitar." <laughs> he was really mouthy on that tour. It was he was more than usual. Even. Yeah, I think mm. one of them was something like, "This song is so sexy, it'll have the faggots eating pussy." By yep, the end of it. that's the intro. <laughs> <he used. laughs> and everyone looked Jeez. at each other like, "Did he really just say Did that?" Say that? <laughs> wow. That's why I love his guitar playing, but that's where it ends. He's actually the nicest rock guitar hero he? I've actually I've ever met. He was so cool to me. Were you showing he him a gun or something? Yeah. No, no, no. I was unarmed. I was unarmed, but he was so nice. He was great. Wow. Maybe what? a handful of picks and that was really nice guy. That's didn't, cool. didn't put you in a headlock, put his gun to your head. No, he didn't like that.
now, Deep Thoughts with Buckethead. Proving to the world that Nashville is about more than banjo picking and sister banging. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. Coming back from taking a quick break from our conversation with Jeremy and Phil about great guitar duos is so much fun. Chris, I'm tired out, man. This was a tough one. I edited this bad boy. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy your week off? I did. I didn't. I figured you wouldn't. I just <laughs> I can't believe it's taken this long. I've worked so hard on this thing. You are a master. But the more you do it, the faster you get. Yeah. So, so next week you're going to do it again, right? No. I'm never doing it again. <laughs> I hope it turned out okay. It did. And we did get some business out of the way before we get back into it. Uh, the main thing we want to talk about, the music you heard on coming back from the break, was Radio Exile, another band we've played from uh, High Volley Music that's one of, that's our sponsor. I'm really, really impressed with the artists over at HighVolumeMusic.com. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys have been delivering the goods. We've been playing these bands again and again for the last couple of weeks, but, you know, we wouldn't be involved with these guys if the music wasn't extra extra good and i hope everyone's taking a chance to go check out these bands and artists that we're bringing to you because high volume music's got it going on you know it's definitely worthwhile to check out i love all these bands we've played so far from high volume music and you know what bill chavis and his team do over there is it's just a different format but it's the same idea of what we do we're trying to bring good music to the masses and right. doing it on a diy scale so if you like what you're hearing Go purchase these these albums from these bands because that goes and helps them too, you know. Yeah, and definitely go to highvolmusic.com and you know and check it out, and then hit them up on their Facebook page, like them, and tell them that you heard it on Decibel Geek. That's right. And uh, another thing that you can do to support the show is use the Amazon banner that you see on the DecibelGeek.com homepage. You give me that funny look, like it's time for me to take over. Yeah, I'll let you take. Stand over. back. You're Here better it at goes. this than me. Here it is. This is the big rundown right here. You go to decibelgeek.com. We've got an Amazon banner. You click on the banner. It takes you to Amazon. Now you're at Amazon, just like as if you would have bypassed all that and just went to Amazon. That seems easier. Why would you go the other way? Why would you take the time to go to decibelgeek.com and click on the link? Well, the reason is, is because you can help us out huge, and we really appreciate it. Because when you go through our link and you buy whatever you buy, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You don't get charged anything extra. There's no hidden fees. There's no hidden charges. But Amazon takes a piece of that and sends it over to us, and it helps us out a ton. Yep. And the coolest thing, the coolest, coolest thing is that they give us a list that tells us exactly what's been bought through our link, and we get to see it, and we like that a lot. And I like to share some of the more interesting purchases. So the theme of this week's purchases is gaming and music. Okay. 
So we usually typically don't sell games and stuff, but there's definitely some gamers that bought some stuff this week. That's cool because I know a lot of people love video games and mm-hmm. a lot of people are buying stuff on Amazon. And if you're buying, like I said, anything, it doesn't have to be rock and roll albums. It can be, anything. It can be video games. It can be whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you're doing that, we appreciate it. So what kind of games are really cool right now? Well, there was Star Wars Battlefront for PC was bought. Can't go wrong Sounds with that. Funny. And then uh, the those Le- Battlefront games are awesome. And then the Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess for Wii U was bought. Wow, Zelda, that's still good. All these years that later, takes me back to kindergarten. Yeah, kindergarten. <laughs> um, and then uh, also in in books, but also video game related, a couple of books about the game Mass Effect were bought. And I heard those games are pretty cool okay, too. Okay, cool. And then music, uh, an MP3 downloads "Death for the Whole World to See" was bought. That was the right that on. Is band that the that Detroit band? Yep. The, yeah, right on. The all black, you know, proto punk band. Yeah. But that, if you haven't seen that documentary, you have to watch it. And check out some of their music. It's really it's good. It's cool stuff. Um, Volbeat, Heaven Nor Hell, I Only Want to Be With You, and Lola Montez were bought. Love those all are, those songs. Yeah, those are great songs. Uh, Mud Crutch, Trailer was bought. That's Tom Petty's pre-Tom right. Petty and the Heartbreakers band. That's the, the heavier the side one. of Petty, right? Yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, and they're going to be playing L.A. when I'm out in that area in June. So. Mud yeah. Crutch? Yeah. I may oh, have, really? I may have to go to that. Oh, wow. That's cool, man. Yeah, you ought to. Uh, Blackstone Cherry, White Trash Millionaire was bought. Right on. And for full albums, Rat Dancing Undercover was purchased. <sighs> Can't go wrong with that. Soto, Divock. I wonder if that's Jeff Scott Soto. Or maybe it's just a band named Soto. I'll check it out. And then Scorpions Return to Forever, their new one was bought. Right on. Good stuff. We love it. We love it when you guys shop through our link. It helps us out a ton. It doesn't cost you nothing extra except maybe one or two extra clicks. And what's that? That's nothing. And you could be helping us out and earning our undying love. That's right. It's all yours. Let's get back to our guitar duo discussion with Jeremy and Phil. Tommy Shaw and James Young as Sticks. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Pretty good. Okay. So, uh, so what did I Does miss? Did Skinner fit in there, even though they had three. That's, that's <laughs> what I was kind when of. When we do a guitar trio show. When I was like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like that'll be Southern Rock. Who do you cult? Yeah. Yeah. All those bands that got so many. It's like Molly Hatchet nowadays. Yeah. Guitar thing too. That was the Jackson Jacksonville, Florida thing. Three guitar. Right. Yeah. All right. So then into the '80s. We talked about the Scorpions, but now you got Matthias Jabs in the band with Rudy Schenkner, and that's starting in 78, and that continues on to the day. And those guys, if we're talking about great guitar duos, you can't do it without them. Yeah. Think of that era of the Scorpion. Kind of gets overshadowed by Rudy's brother. Yeah. I mean, 
Nobody ever talks about no. Matthias Yobbs. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yobbs. Yeah. That's how I remember. All, everything European is Y instead yeah. of J. Yeah. I saw them open for Motley in 98 or 99. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. Starwood. It was uh-huh. raining like hell in that show. It's about Atlanta. Well, they played here, and they were, I mean, the Scorpions were fucking phenomenal. I mean, like, like I said earlier, it was like, it was like the record was being played on stage. It was, it was no mistakes. And then Motley Crue came on. But that was the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Randy Castillo with Motley, right? Yep. Yeah. Now, he was good. Um, but, yeah, my and Motley was okay. But, like, the problem with that one, and this may have just been Starwood's grasp sound. Um, the band was on one volume level, and Mick Mars was at 30 times that volume level. And it was so, it was ear-piercingly painful oh like yeah. my, like i felt like mick mars's lead guitar was shooting through my brain from one <laughs> side of my ear to the other and that sounds was, like a great thing yeah <laughs> it sounds good as a story but yeah it was it was not fun but yeah but i was just like this should be the other way around because the yeah. scorpions the kind of mop the floor with yeah as far as performance goes yeah they were killer yeah, yeah they're scorpions always good awesome. though they're always like that all right how about dave murray and adrian smith from iron maiden saw those two guys and, wow and then that, it's kind of like a, for me they're, they're like a heavy metal Finn Lizzy right because yeah. yeah, they're that's they're well. just a little bit it's the same kind of idea and Dave Murray said in interviews that you know th- those guys were his kind of bible for that right. kind of thing right even Gorham solos like I tried to solo like you um, so it's kind of like you know Finn Lizzy Maiden right for I me, guess I never really put that together before, but yeah, that That's makes sense. That's some of the first guitar harmonizing I ever heard, too. Right. Even before Lizzie, yeah, I, I, I heard Ace is High when it was new, and, and The Trooper when it was new. City, but yeah, that's a whole different that level it, yeah. of that. Yeah, that was good because I was into Maiden before Lizzie. I got into Lizzie when I was a, bit, a little older, so that was my first first exposure to twin lead like yeah. that. It's like, wow, Me that's too. really cool. And actually, those two bands, like some of the only ones that were the the guitar was as much of a forefront part as the vocals were. You know, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be a three minute song, and here's the solo spot. You could have solos throughout the whole damn song. Yeah, which was impressive too. Mm-hmm. It's like that's an equal share of. Yeah, you know, it was it was as important. That the guitar part was a hook. Yeah, too. Yeah. It's like you could sing that. Yeah, totally. Which was a, a new a new idea for, you know, 
knee at 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got to be one of the ones you'd put right up there, too, as far as the greatest of all time. Um, Hanoi Rocks, they had Andy McCoy, Nasty Suicide. You guys Hanoi Rocks fans? Casual. Casual, yeah. The no. New York Dolls, are so, they sit in the same right. place for me. Like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You know, I've never obsessed on it, but... Some of the Michael Monroe solo stuff you'd probably dig, too. Yeah, yeah, his stuff's really good Especially solo. the last couple of albums are really, really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another band everybody that listens to the show seems to dig quite a bit from Baltimore, Kicks, with Brian Forsythe and Roddy Great Yankins. live band. saw them on the Death Leopard Cruise and they were playing on the pool deck in 60 mile an hour winds and oh, completely right kicked ass. Nice. They were, they were great and really nice dudes too. Yeah. Awesome yeah, band. They you know, they're another one too. That's the guitar is such a powerful part of that yeah, band. I saw and... them destroy Rat and I saw them destroy Whitesnake. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like Steve Vai Whitesnake. Yeah. Oh, wow. If you saw the Steve Vai version. Yeah. What was that like? Pretty fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered how he sounded live with them, though, because he, he's a bit of a square peg in a round hole. With uh, his solo album had just come out, so his Passion guitar Warfare. solo section was about 20 minutes long. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> that was part of the deal. He's like, if I do this tour, I'm yeah. going to get he got an showcase. insane amount of money. And he got to sell his record at merch, and then he got to play like yeah. a huge long so that was, solo. That was one of those lineups where it was like, on paper, it sounds like it should yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Right. Like I but said, the, then here it's like, eh. Kicks yeah. destroyed them. It was a bloodbath. Kicks wow. was a great band. That's cool. I wish they would play a show here. I, I still want to see them live. They're, they're, that was the first time, my first time seeing them. And they were they're still phenomenal. that good. Yeah, Albert Whiteman still sounds exactly the same. He looks the exact guy. same. Yeah, he's ripped, still completely yeah, ripped. He looks great. great. Wow. <laughs> I like it. I was weird. He's I was, got a southern accent too, but he's does he? Totally. <laughs> I met him last year and I'm like, aren't those guys from Maryland? It's like, well, I guess it's like he's from East Tennessee. He's from wow. This is weird. That is weird. <laughs> it's real weird. And I like how the, the Ronnie and Brian, like, they could be in the Rolling Stones. If you look at them, yeah. like, they're dressed like that. Right. And they just have that cool swagger. Les Paul and Telly. Yeah. yeah. That's good, good tones. Uh, they're great. All right, here's another one I love JJ French and Eddie Ojeda from Twisted Sister. Yeah. Yeah, those guys had it going on as far as double guitar attack. into those guys like when Stay Hungry was happening it, they got some airtime in my room for a minute they were I think kind of my doorway into and hard then, rock uh, when those videos come out and play yeah. happened and I think we yeah. all failed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of us did <laughs> that's another one too where so much of their really great stuff came out before anybody ever even knew who they were and then mm -hmm. you just had to go back and listen to that yeah. early stuff after you found out and like, oh, have man. you guys seen that documentary I want to I, I haven't, haven't seen it yet though. yeah yeah, it looks really good. Mm -hmm. I'll watch a documentary on anybody, even if I'm not a fan. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, totally. They're all good. All right, here's another one we can talk about, because now that we're in the 80s, we can include Paul Stanley and your buddy, Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. 
So what do you guys think? You know, for as far as Ace coming out of the band and what Ace and Paul had together, and then Vinnie Vincent coming in, how do you guys think that they've matched up as a guitar duo? I think duo? that's when Paul upped his dancing game and yeah. played less guitar. I, th- I would, I agree with yeah. you. I don't know that they were so much a duo. Yeah, I mean, it was more of who can show off the best at this point. Right. Right. And at that point, you know, Vinnie Vincent's such a technically sound guitar player that Paul Stanley kind of kind of can step back a little and he say practice his dance moves yeah, more and let Vinnie machine. Vincent just go nuts machine. on the guitar. Yeah, yeah, he did like the, the Rio footage. Just makes me laugh. Yeah, out of, out of the yeah he's all just over like the dogs place. out of the cage. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like was did Gene snort a fat line of cocaine before they went no. on stage? Did you see how the way he's jumping around and slamming his bass into the stage? Jeez. Yeah, wow. yeah. I was like. It's Fucked up, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they were much of a guitar duo. I yeah, mean, I kind of was. I thought you were going to say Kulik, and I was like, oh yeah, Vinnie Vincent was there too. Yeah, that was a, a totally opposite decision from what like they had Ace. Like they got this yeah, they were Stonesy sloppy guy. Let's right. get Stratomatic. Yeah, they were trying to keep yeah. up with the Joneses. To- yeah, yeah and that's absolutely. the whole reason Vinnie was brought in was they yeah. we need an Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, you know, and he could do that stuff, but. And a good writer too, a, a really good fantastic writer. writer. But they, there's some, there's I can't remember which. I think it might be there's on. I think it's Ontario '83. There's a lick it up bootleg tour, and there's they're playing all hell's breaking loose in the beginning. Vinny's right in the center stage, and Paul just starts dancing over towards Vinny and just literally shoves him out of the way with his dance moves. <laughs> and like, it tells you how dysfunctional everything was at the time. That's it's funny. hilarious to watch. Like, uh, don't upstage me. You're the new guy. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> All right, keeping rolling through the 80s, how about uh, Stevie Clark and Phil Collins, Def Leppard? Yeah. You don't realize Steve played a lot of lead guitar right. in, the early, like, in the early days, too. Yeah. Like, with with uh, Pete. Sure. Before I mean, Phil came in, yeah. To me, the Def Leppard begins and ends with me with Stevie Clark. You know, I don't... Anything after he was gone, I just I have a hard time getting into. It's like... Stevie Clark, you know, and him and Phil were such a great guitar duo together, but something, you know, with him gone, it always appeared to me like when he died, he kind of took the balls of the leopard with him. After that, they kind of went in a softer direction. Those guys, to me, are a little bit like Alice Cooper's guitar players, too, where it's about parts and, Mm -hmm. like, the coming together of guitar parts and not, like, two guys playing lead together or being soloists so much. I mean, they're good soloists, but when I think about guitar playing in Def Leppard, I think about guitar parts and structure Almost orchestration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How the pieces well, fit together. Structure, yeah. And you know, I'm sure super producer has something to do with that. But I'm sure that's <laughs> what they do. But yeah. All right. How about Adrian Vandenberg and Vivian Campbell from White Snake? They never recorded together, so they don't count. They were right. only in videos. John Sykes. Oh, yeah. Sykes on that one. Yeah. Sykes, Sykes yeah. was the yeah. brains behind the '87 yeah. album. Yeah. And you oh, could tell. That's a good point. Somebody we missed, um, possibly. Uh, an earlier White Snake, um, Mickey Moody and Bernie Marsden. 
Yeah. That's the white snake that I like. Yeah, that's right. When it was the purple, purple snake. snake. When it was John Wilder right, yeah. on keys and Ian yeah. Pace on uh, drums. <laughs> Before that, when she and Pace said non, but like that's what I like in yeah. White Snake. And those two stuff. guys together are phenomenal. Yeah, killer, killer players and so writers that's the too. The duo in White Snake. For yeah. me, that's that is yeah. Those two guys. Right on. They weren't on Slided In. That was uh, Mel Galley and. Well, they Mickey recorded Moody. that with two different lineups. Sykes was on that's the right. American mix, yeah, and, and then there was a European mix too. Uh, Mickey Moody was on the yep. European mix. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. That is a weird situation. <laughs> but that, that it's like we got to change the whole band so you can release yeah. an album in the states. Yeah. You know? Well, they looked weird. Yeah. They, they were kind of. I mean, Coverdale was a, a god completely. Right. Had this kind of weird, kind of not super cool looking band. Like had a weird hat and kind of dressed like frumpy and yeah. you know, all the other guys in the band. And you know, you had Coverdale front and. And it had to be make a change for the American market, and it worked. Oh, oh yeah, it totally worked. Yeah, but Sykes though, like you need a bunch of good-looking guys up there standing with you with yeah. pretty hair and all done up for the MTV video. Right. And if I you listen to that '87 album, there's you will hear the Thin Lizzy stuff come out from Sykes mm-hmm. on some of the lead yeah. parts in that album. Yeah, and they went actually, and probably you guys probably know this, they went back and recut a lot of their earlier tunes. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, it was Crying in the Rain, Crying in the Rain, Fool for Your Love, and the original Fool for Your Love, and is. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah. Way better. I didn't like the one they did with Vi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The original Here I great. Go Again. Was Here I Go Again. Yeah, yeah. It's off of Saint and, Saint, uh, Saint and Center, I think. Right. Oh, wow. They just updated their that sound. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that was a good decision. Well, huh? yeah. <laughs> millions <laughs> of albums later. Marketing yeah. I guess yes. you're a smart that guy. was one that worked out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. How about uh, Mark Ferrari and Brian J from Keel? You guys any... Yeah, yeah, no, okay. A lot of the '80s stuff. I was in. I was into the Beatles. Yeah. When the whole hair metal thing came out, I was of age, but I was so hardcore into the Beatles at that point that I didn't know about any of it and couldn't care about any of it. Wow. (laughs) And honestly, like then I was into it, but guitar duos weren't really my thing. I was into you know Van Halen and yeah. You know, single guitar player bands because I was going to be the guitar player. Right. <laughs> All right, well, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like Mark Curry. He's a very nice guy. So then, not even like Warren D. Martini or Robin Crosby from Rat. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah see those, that's that's right I, I along that scene. Rat. And those guys played great together. Yeah. Then you start getting the heavy stuff, you know, and you start getting a lot of dual guitar players 
like Metallica with James Hetfield and Kurt Hammett. Yeah. You know, you can't deny what those guys are able to do together. Yeah. Um, Scott Ian and Dan Spitz from Anthrax. Yeah, I mean, you got to include them in the conversation. Yeah, 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 too. For like, for like Metallica and kind of what I guess this goes for, yeah, I'm sure you're going to mention Kerry King and Jeff yeah, Hammond. Yeah. yeah. For those like three bands, I the solos aren't important to me. It's like all oh, the riff. Riffs. Yeah. yeah. also riff heavy and then it's you know the double guitar together that works that way with uh, suicidal tendencies with Rocky George and Mike Clark yeah uh, Dave Mustaine and Chris Poland from Megadeth in those yeah. days I like know, that duo stuff. in particular from Megadeth I know a lot of people point out the Marty Friedman lineup yeah. but what Dave and Chris Poland did together I thought was better because Chris is a weird guitar well, he player like jazz not like a metal guy yeah. right. he could play all kinds of stuff yeah Guitar parts are so hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, learning that stuff. It's stuff that doesn't feel natural to it's, play. You're, play. you're playing rhythm like on the high three strings, you know, and, and, and he's singing while doing it. And he's yeah. really a testament to how good Dave is. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's amazing. Um, hard songs. Other heavy bands from that time, Testament with Eric Peterson and Alex Skolnick. You know, Just saw Testament. Awesome. Alex wasn't with them. No? And Glenn Drover. Ah. Yeah. Glenn they're great, so they're awesome. Too. Yeah, that's a good double guitar band. Um, another one a lot of people don't talk about, and I think we had to mention, Bruce Franklin and Rick Wartell from Trouble. You guys ever listen to Trouble? You ever Man, get into that? Little. Very yeah. little. Yeah. Yeah. some of that. That's some really good stuff that people overlook. Okay, here we go. We get to it. Paul Stanley, Bruce Kulick. Better guitar duo than Vinnie Vincent, right? I, I would agree. Think that Pull was it more, together a little yeah, better than those did. guys did? I don't yeah. know. They hired Gary Corbett and that allowed for more dancing from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have done even less guitar playing than Vincent the band. I'm totally that's telling Gary the, you said that. In the, videos, <laughs> in the videos, that's what Paul was just holding his right. guitar. Uh, We'll save that for the uh, keyboard, <laughs> keyboard players dancing <laughs> episode we do next. There's actually a lot from Number the Number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You had but to have the keyboard player. I think, yeah, that's true. But then you think about, like, Kiss, when Bruce came in, I think they kind of pulled back together as a band a little more. 
You know, they've been kind of fractured since Vinnie Vincent with Ace left, then Vinnie came in, and then Mark St. John, you know, so they've been on a run of different guitarists that they're yeah. working through. And I think Bruce kind of brought, pulled it, helped pull it all back together because Bruce, one, knows his role coming into the band. You know, he ain't there to be Vinnie Vincent and try to steal the show. Right. He's there to team up with Paul Stanley and I think get the most he can out of him. And I think it shows through a lot of the music through that era. Consistency just because he was in the band for right. so many for many records and yeah. some cohesiveness and they really got it together on Revenge. I was yeah. just about to say that I is mean, the best non makeup Kiss album. Revenge. Yeah. Revenge. Crazy Nights was my, that was the album that made me a fan though, so I can't say. Yeah. You don't think Revenge is a tad overrated though? I love it. I I went back and listened to it like last But are we more a fan of the production? Because there's songs, a lot of the songs could have easily fit on any of the other 80s albums. And for me it was the the heaviness I think of it and the fact that for years I've been being told by my friends, ah kiss a bunch of pussies, you know, and then all of a sudden Unholy hits. And it's like, hey, fuckers, listen to this. Yeah. You know, like, whoa, what's that? That's Kiss. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that gives... Vinnie Vincent song. Yeah, yeah, true. I think that gives that album a certain kind of mystique of why everyone loves it. Yeah, you know? and part of Heart of Chrome. Part yeah. Of with three songs A couple songs of songs on there. Yeah. yeah, and then he asked for money, and they said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> 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 uh, Kiss-related, how about Ace Fraley and Todd Howarth from Fraley's Comet back in the day? Honorable mention. Yeah. Okay, good. I Either have to you do guys it. get to see them live? Not uh, for not for Ellie's comment. I saw Ace on the Bad Boys tour with Peter. That was too. the first time I that saw. That was here, right? Yeah, yeah, I left early. You left Broke early? What? He sucked, man. He was Ace wasted. Yeah, it was yeah, he was wasted. I enjoyed it though. <laughs> it bummed me out. He played Torpedo Girl. That was pretty cool. Was oh wow. <laughs> He was drunk enough to play Torpedo Girl. He was huh? pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could smell the alcohol from the back of the room. <laughs> okay, so we're in the home stretch of the 80s then. Um, I added Tracy Guns and Mick Cripps from LA Guns. Cool. Yeah. Um, Slash and Izzy Stradling.
because they deserve a mention, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their work on Appetite for Destruction alone, you know, there's so much... Where again, where like you say with Def Leppard, where it's like pieces that fit together. I, Izzy's quite like the Malcolm. Yeah, he really, really likes music. Prefers Izzy. Yep. He yeah. wrote the songs. Yeah. And then Aerosmith, I was thinking of that Aerosmith's other band where it's parts. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen to, if you put headphones on, you can really tell they have two different tones. When with Appetite for Destruction with headphones, yep. you can totally tell who's doing what. Yep. Right. It's, it's like, really isolated. It's like they're playing two different things, but it just it meshes yeah. together perfectly somehow. You know, you talk about like fitting the pieces together, but these are like puzzle pieces that shouldn't fit. Right. But yeah. they do, yeah. you know, perfectly. Played on their own, heard, you know, isolated and like, what? what? Well, and and it's just, it's a great mix. Yeah. Even though it's overplayed as hell, Sweet Child of Mine has a lot of that. Like, you can, yeah. yeah. both doing completely different things. And it's so easy, the guitar parts yep. make it so easy. And even Jungle's got different stuff in it the right. in that. Yeah, there's a lot of intertwined stuff. You don't notice it until you put headphones on and listen no. to it. Like, wow, these guys are really, this was, this was totally planned out. You know, right. This wasn't just jamming. Yeah, you know. That's what makes that such an awesome album, I think. Yeah. Such a unique album, yeah. for sure. If I could divert the th thoughts on the quote-unquote reunion. I mean, I'm all for bands doing that, but for me, it's like, no, Izzy. It's like, he was, that was he was the guy. Yeah. And I want me. Steven involved, too. Yeah. It's just like, it's it's guns and, eh, hey, you're getting a little closer. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, when, and Roses. when you get there, when you get there, then, you know, you'll get my See, money for bands. a ticket. I liked Guns N' Roses, but yeah. I was never, like, hardcore into Guns N' Roses, so I'm not... You can take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I missed it on the first go-round because, you know, I was... I was too young to be a, a good KISS fan, you know, because that had all taken place before, you know, where I was at. And where I was at was Guns N' Roses was taken off. So I had to listen to everybody tell me, oh, man, fuck KISS, you know, Guns N' Roses. And so that made me hate them yeah. without even wanting to ever even listen to them. <laughs> and then so then eventually after hearing it and hearing it and hearing it, and then going, fuck, man, these guys actually are really awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to accept it. You know, and I'm glad I did because, uh, you know, I would have hate to have missed out on all that. Yeah, Appetite was kind of my first record back into contemporary music. Yeah. And I hated it because I was music snob. It's like, in high school, it's like, what, what am I talking about? But I was like, man, I don't want to like that. They were so popular. Yeah. They were so yeah. huge. But yeah. you couldn't deny how good it was. And then when I finally right. heard the tape, yeah. it was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah. I couldn't I know what you mean. And there's so can't many deny great it. songs yeah. on that album. It's not just... Three songs. I, I liked them all. The first time I heard Welcome to the Jungle was over the PA speakers at the Kiss Crazy Nights show. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. My friend's like, this is my new favorite band, Guns N' Roses. All right, so then to round out the 80s, I got uh, Tommy and Frank from Tesla. I think oh, those yeah. guys oh, yeah. are awesome Great together. Band. You yeah. know, they, they back and forth, you know, so well and mm -hmm. just trading it off. You know, that's what I always liked about their playing. Um, Jeff Labar gets a lot of credit. I don't think people realize what a great guitar player Tom Kiefer was. Oh, the later albums, I think, showcase that a lot Tom more. Tom actually did most of the guitar play. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He played some leads too, but yeah. I remember Tom kind of. But the way the whole thing the was packaged, people yeah. just assumed Jeff Labar, but right, it's right. really more of a partnership than I think people realize. Yeah. Um, 
I got here uh, Queensryche, Michael Wilton, and Chris DeGarmo. Yeah, I thought those guys were great together. Yeah. yeah. The, the Mind Crime and Empire albums, I mean, you need those. I mean, those, those are great, and I wish DeGarmo would come back to the band, although he did for that Here in the Now Frontier album, and it sucked. But, um, mm. but no, yeah, Queensryche, boy, what a soap opera that band turned yeah. into. Yeah, and that's yeah. why it probably <laughs> will not be returning. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure. <laughs> Too much. Jeff can't Tate was can't I just play guitar? Yeah. Yeah. Played 12th and Porter. Yeah. I saw them at War Memorial last year, and there were so few people there. At and Jeff said, uh, "It feels like I'm playing the high school prom." There was maybe 80 people in there, and you know, War wow. Memorial holds a lot more than 80 people. Yeah. But, yeah. See, it's not so bad if you're playing a little place and 80 it's people not a little show place. up, but you yeah. get that War the Memorial, the big place, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it was a strange show. 80 to be people at. seems terrible. Brian yeah. Tishy was great on drums, though. Yeah. All right, uh, Brett Muskit and Greg Steele from Faster Pussycat. Those guys yeah. ever do anything for you? Masquerade in Atlanta. I mean, I never really thought of them as much of a duo, but they were definitely a cool band. Yeah. yeah. Are you I like see them in a couple a lot. of weeks when they come here? Oh, yeah. 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 Are you guys playing on that show, too? I'm doing one song yeah. with that group. Oh, okay. I, I, was, I know Tyson, the guy that puts yeah. them on, he was asking me to do it. I'm like, man, I really don't like that music very much. No, <laughs> like, no offense. I just didn't get into that stuff. Like, I was into the so Beatles heavy right. when the, 60, the hair 70s. metal thing was coming out and I just, it went by me and it was just like, I don't have time to learn a, enough enough song, man. Sorry, I don't know. Oh, I can't do man. it. <laughs> he, uh, he knows them all, so Jared right. can do them. That's the name of the song. Band, especially like my 60s, yeah. so. Yeah. You probably dig some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, this is another one I'd have to put right up there at the very top of my list. Uh, Snake Sabo and Scotty Hill from Skid Row. I was just about to ask you about that. Yeah, Absolutely. For sure. yeah. where you know Sebastian Bach got so much attention for being the wild crazy frontman but those guys were what really truly made that band great and even through the different singers they've had since Bach I mean the music still stands up mm-hmm. and it's fantastic and they're the songs. both solid lead players yeah There's definitely one guy that's because mm-hmm. you know like Warren D. Martini was a little better than Robin Crosby right so he yeah. generally took most of the leads those guys are like on you know level playing ground with yeah. each other like yeah. either one of those guys could go be the lead guitar player in either band yeah. you know yeah. separate totally easily and the guitars on uh, Slave of the Grind are oh, some yes. of my favorite guitar sounds ever that's another one kind of like Appetite for Destruction you know, Slave of the Grind has got a lot of that too, where it's, you know, 
that perfect, but yet it ends up perfect where the mm -hmm. way the guitar splits and comes apart and goes back together and yeah. then meshes together and comes out of that, you know, and there's so much more going on on that album than what you hear. Just, you know, like you said, put the headphones on mm -hmm. and close your eyes and listen carefully and listen to how much stuff's going Sounds on there. so great. Good, yeah, um, yeah. good show on that album, by the way. Oh, thank you. Oh, man, that, <laughs> that was, was really fun. Good job. Uh, that yeah. was so much yeah. fun. Michael anytime. Hard work, but yeah, anytime we can go out there with Michael. Yeah, he did all the work. Yeah. We just were like, oh, man, we you're just awesome. We just want to go out there and listen to him talk. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just flip on the recorder and I let could, Michael I Wagner could, go, and yeah. it's a great episode yeah. every time. I can't go wrong. Let me move in every time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and then the final one I got for the 80s is Joey Allen and Eric Turner from Warren. solos on the record uh, so that was kind yeah, of cool. yeah yeah he left out Oz Fox and Michael Sweet oh yeah uh, yeah because yeah, Michael Sweet don't really get a lot of credit for being a guitar he's, player yeah, too he's yeah. handling a lot of the low yeah he's stuff. like the Tom yeah. Kiefer of the band yeah. well then even that you could too. include uh, Mark Slaughter in with um, Tim Kelly and yeah, Slaughter yeah, because Mark, played a lot Mark of wasn't stuff. known yeah. for being the lead, uh, good guitar a, player but he's amazing Mark's come out on Tuesdays and jammed we played a ZZ Top he he didn't want to sing. He just wanted to play guitar. Yeah. He's trying to solo. He's a great yeah, he's player. Killer. Oh man, yeah, he's he could awesome. Play a lot of stuff. Yeah, he could and he could even play all that Vinnie Vincent Invasion stuff. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what can we include Vinnie Vincent and his ego? As far yeah, as that's a great guitar duo. They've all seen in his ego too. Yeah, yeah. would you like more in his ego? Right. Except those, those guys get kind of overshined by their egos. You know. Yeah. They're in the shadow of the ego, <laughs> so we didn't call them. All right, that brings us into the 80s. Uh, kicking it off, I got 80s. Jeff, or 90s. I got kicking it off Jeff Duncan and Phil Sandoval from Armored Saint. You guys, man, I don't really know much Armored Saint. No, either. Yeah, yeah, check either. it out. It's good stuff. Um, this is my favorite Megadeth duo, Dave Mustaine and Marty Friedman. I know you said it earlier that's, about Chris like Bowen, but man, that stretch with Marty Rest Friedman in the band, that's my favorite Megadeth. That's, that's my favorite. Yeah. see eye to eye musically today but it'd be great to see have a reunion of that era of the band but you could yeah, really it was tell close. you could really tell who was soloing at that point it's like right really, it was very both different great, styles yeah but different players. styles yeah God, Freeman's just 
Awesome. Really? I can also mention yeah. Marty Friedman and Jason Becker for Cacophony. Cacophony. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah of course. Yep. There's two amazing lead players bouncing off each other. Yeah. 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 I would buy that stuff with my parents. Like, what the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> <laughs> Cacophony. It's like bubble, yeah. bubble totally. fucking. Just a bunch <laughs> of noise. <laughs> uh, it's, like, it's amazing. Let's sit there and listen to it for hours. All right, here's a funny one for you. How about Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar? Oh, do, you, do you consider them a guitar duo in any way? Man, Sammy only played live on a couple tunes. Yeah. So. Did you ever see them? Did they have any kind of guitar chemistry? They did. They did a little yeah. bit. And, uh, they did. On the 5150 tour, it's on the, the uh, outro credits, but wasn't in the video of the show. But they had a, a guitar duel section of the show. I saw them on that tour. And remember that. Yeah. That's all I remember about Who it. Who won? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna dive to a gunfight. <laughs> no, I guess I never really considered them a duo. Not really. Like he'd play on like uh, the Sammy tunes, like when they would play his songs. Yeah. Right? You know, he'd play on those, but it's mostly the Eddie show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody's qualified to be a duo in a duo with Eddie Van Halen. Yes. Um, we talked about Slash and Izzy earlier, but what about Slash and Gilby Clark? Gilby was in GNR and also in Slash and Snake Pit. I think, I think those guys, because of who Gilby is and where he came in in the band, I think people don't look at him the same as Izzy Stradlin. But I look at that Slash Snake Pit album, and there's some killer mm-hmm. you know, guitar duoing going on there where I think Gilby Clark deserves a lot more He's credit than what player. he gets. I just, I just, it's just a joke I like to make. <laughs> See, we're, we're, we're talking about a period where I started listening to classic rock. Like when hair metal was over and everybody started going in the flannel direction, mm-hmm. I went classic. Yeah, because yeah. prior to that, all I really knew was the Who. I found them at an early age, and the Monkees, and then I discovered the Beatles, and it was over between yeah. the metal after yeah. that, and you know, then Stones and Zeppelin, and you know, digging so, deeper and deeper. Yeah, '90s for me was classic rock. So we're not going to hear anything about your love for Head and Monkey from Corn or anything. I don't <laughs> even know what. That is. <laughs> uh, so we'll probably <laughs> the biggest guitar duo that had an effect on me in the 90s is Mark Ford and Rich Robinson. That's a good one. Yeah. I love Black Crows. <laughs> Sorry, oddly. You know, 
Yeah, you have to include them in the 90s. Um, yeah. I guess we just do Lightning Style through the 90s. Then I got uh, Jimmy Stiff and Jeff Worley from Jackal. I think they were a pretty good duo. Um, then you got Vivian Campbell and Phil Collin from Def Leppard. We talked about right. that. I mean, two great guitar players. For some reason, it doesn't help Def Leppard no. become any better. Right. You know, I never understood Sounds that. Like, let's get rocked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, Ginger and CJ from the Wild Hearts. I think they're a hell of yeah, a guitar Yeah, you guys ever listen to the Wild Hearts? I had Earth yeah. versus the Wild Hearts. Yeah. There's a lot of great stuff. Fortman and Klaus Eckstein from uh, Ugly Kid Joe. They're awesome. They're one of my favorite guitar duos because, again, they're off each other, bouncing stuff off each other back and forth. bit of bias here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those guys did some pretty good guitar work together. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to hear more soon. That's what I'm saying. There must have been yeah. some kind of good chemistry there because they're back together hopefully doing something again for us to mm -hmm. enjoy here real soon. Yep. I will not talk a lot about that. I will let them talk about that for themselves. Right okay. on. But you can give good insight into the guitar duoing between John Karabi it and was, the part of Mick Mars. He, Jared dissected that record when they started doing the 94 show. Yeah, right. He, he yeah. did it. Was, Man, it's it's definitely worked out. I mean, there's a lot of layers and layers and layers. This from live, we can't, we can't play it. It's like it's we can't impossible, do it. right? It's in two different tunings or whatever. So, mm -hmm. Jared was like, "No, you can play it." So he figured it out and did a three guitar arrangement, and it sounds just yeah, like the know. record. It sure sounds does. great. Yeah, when we interviewed him, he was going on and on about how he couldn't believe that you had worked out a way to play it live because he was convinced it would never work. Yeah. You got three different tunings that were edited together, but if there's three guitar players in the band, <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> 
and you know that's kind of our specialty like doing the stuff that people think you can't do or is yeah. way too hard to do yeah don't tell these don't guys don't tell me i can't, can't do, do it, it. yeah <laughs> for sure so then you can testify to the importance and what a good guitar player john karabi was and how much he added to that yes definitely yeah. right i mean you, you can listen to the album and listen to Motley Crue's previous album. Well, he wrote so much for that record. Yeah, you could tell yeah. it was a lot of his stuff was stuff he brought in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a shame Generation Swine didn't turn out that good. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, then further into the '90s, I got Mike McCready and Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam. You guys do the Pearl? You appreciate? Are you Pearl Jam appreciators at uh, all? Appreciator, yeah. On paper, yeah. I should love those guys, right? Because they. Like all the same stuff, McCready's in a UFO tribute band. Oh wow! Like he plays, yeah, he plays a big shaker guy. Done Van Halen wow. Kiss live. Yeah, I, I just cannot get into the music. Ticketmaster and all that stuff. I should, and they're still at it. The first record, and I, I got it. That's I tried to like it pretty hard. Good stuff, I try. I really tried hard to really? I gave it a See, shot. I was resisting it when it came out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not just, into it, what was happening. And then I saw them on the Versus tour, and I lightened up. They're all right. Yeah. Yeah. To me, Pearl Jam's always 50 50. You buy a Pearl Jam album. Half of it's going to be really damn good. It's hard rocking. You love it. And then the other stuff is just hard for me to comprehend a lot of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, is this actually a song or is it just noise or the hell's going on yeah. here? I appreciate them for who they are and what they do. Yeah. I just don't really. No, you're not going on for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think if you could take a Pearl Jam song that's a good hard rocking tune, which they're known to do, you know, just straight up rock songs, mm -hmm. then that guitar partnership there between McCready and Gosser really kind of shows through. Yeah. Um, another one that I don't think gets a lot of credit, I mean, this, you don't think, you know, dual lead guitars or nothing, but uh, Roger Stevens and Christopher Thorne from Blind Melon, you know, that was oh, yeah. kind of a, they did some electric, some acoustic, some mixed, you know, mm -hmm. and stuff back and forth, you know, a lot of intricate guitars between the two of them, and I just thought that was worth a mention. I'd have to listen to more of them now. Yeah, one song. Yeah, the one song that everybody knows, yeah. yeah. So then you get into the heavier stuff in the 90s. You mentioned them, Monkey Schaefer and Head Welch <laughs> from Korn. I was influenced by that stuff because I was playing in a new metal band at the time. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was in seven string guitars tuned down. I everything. didn't yeah. listen to anything of that. I was no. very into them early on. Not, got, not really anymore. Do you have a Cornell and Fail? Yes, because yeah. even then, Cornell's another one where you don't really think of him as a guitar player, but if you he's realize, you know, he's really had a lot to do with the guitar good. and yeah. the duo in that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. Soundgarden. I saw the for Skid Row. Yeah. Soundgarden? Yeah. That's a weird pick. What year was that? 92. <laughs> oh, so they were just getting going. Oh, yeah. That, that, that yeah. Bad Motorfinger was happening. Right, know? yeah. That's an interesting well, But that's that's would, kind of a trans... Skid, Skid Row was always kind of a transcending band at that time. So what I remember you know? is they tried to get Nirvana as the opening act because they were a new band that was doing well also. <laughs> and Kurt oh, wow. said, uh, Nirvana will not be involved in the woman-hating antics of Skid Row. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. 
Too funny. I'm trying to picture Sebastian and Kurt in the same backstage. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that I would not imagine. Work. <laughs> um, I got Pepper Keenan and Woody Weatherman from COC. I think they're a good duo. And then, of course, uh, Pepper along with Kurt Winstein and Down. I think Pepper's a good enough guitar player. You know, he's also a singer, but he's a guitar player. He can duo up pretty good with just about anybody. Yeah. And those two bands right there is good proof of that. Um, Ernie C and D Rock the Executioner, right? For a singer there, huh? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Kanye like, West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ernie C, Ernie C, I know that name. Yeah, body count, they're yeah. awesome. Um, this is one I always really loved, and you know, it's gotta be worth a mention. Ron Trose and Thunder Bolton from Super Suckers. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, no? Okay. Um, Damon Johnson, David Anderson from Brother Kane. Yeah. They were yeah. from, from Birmingham, so yeah, those were like the, the hometown. Talk of the town. They were like, yeah. wow, a band from Alabama can be on MTV? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so and that's, a, that's a good, powerful duo, the way they were mm -hmm. able to combine on those albums. I always liked that band a lot. Um, Zach Wilde and Nick Cantonese from Black Label. You know, Nick never played on none of the uh, Black Label studio albums. Yeah. But as far as those two locking it in live on stage, I've seen few players that had what it took to stand next to Zach Wilde on stage and hold their own. Yeah. I think Nick Cantonese was really good in that role, you know, where he knew how far he could go by being the guy playing guitar with Zach Wilde, but never took it too far, but just fit perfectly yeah. in what he was supposed to do and locked in between the two of them. Awesome. Only Zach's allowed to do pinch harmonics, not you. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. everything but that. <laughs> Um, Jason Krause and Kenny Olsen from the Kid Rock, Twist Crown oh, yeah. Trucker. Those okay. guys are awesome. I love those two. Um, okay. Let's see. Paul Quinn and Doug Skerritt from uh, Saxon. That's, those, those are the guys that have been Saxon since like 2009. And the new stuff they've been coming out with is really good. Their I think last they got a couple albums thing. have been really good, cool. actually. Yeah. This one's for you, Chris. The last one of the 90s. Chad Kroger yeah. and Ryan Peak from Nickelback. All right, let's move on to yeah. the 2000s. Can't comment on those guys. Nobody, no love for Nickelback <laughs> at all, huh? Uh, there shouldn't be. No. All right, just, just checking. <laughs> just checking. Man, I didn't like Nickelback when everybody was buying their records and denying it. 
But yeah. even can you somebody <laughs> bought those records? It wasn't me, trust me. Can you guys even appreciate the guitar playing on it? I know the the vocals on it. And they're not the... untalented players. No, no, that, I mean, they've had that many. They're that successful, but they're just that, you so know, you can't... sanitized and generic sounding. Yeah. You can't suck and have that. Huge, no, they don't that much success. They don't you know, suck right. as players at all. Yeah. They're talented and capable, but I just don't like their music. Yeah, they either. had their first single was a song called "Leader of Men." I thought that was a decent tune. Every, pretty much everything after that, I just haven't gotten into. No. I just don't dig them. Okay, so then that's what I got for the 90s. Um, for the 2000s since then, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of double guitar bands out there. I just figure some of the ones worth mentioning. Jim Root and Mick Thompson from Slipknot. Yeah. Uh, Brent Hines and Bill Kelleher from Mastodon. They're a great duo. Yeah, that's cool. Mark Morton and Willie Adler from Lamb of God. You know, they the lead singer gets a lot of attention in that band, but there's a there's a, something special going on guitar duo with that band. Yeah. Um, Josh Hom and uh, Troy Van Leeuwen from Queens of the Stone Age. I had the rated R record. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the one I had. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guitar intricateness going on there it's, in a lot of. Yeah, that. it's cool. It's it's, it's arranged cool and it's yeah. just it's different parts, cool cool sounds. It's you different know, no, things that again don't seem like they would fit together, but somehow that band pieces it together and yeah. it comes out as one amazing thing it's like once it's all like melted. Nobody's ripping. It's just right. good. Well, some of that Eagles and Death Metal stuff has that sound. Yeah, too. That yeah, too. It's just like yep. parts put together. Um, Justin and Dan Hawkins from The Darkness. I love them. Yeah. I was, yeah, when that first record came out, I was really into that record. They're coming here next month. Mm -hmm. um, Their last album that came out last year is really good. Yeah, that last one's pretty There's damn like awesome. There's a lot of big Queen element to I've heard to some it. of that. Oh, it's that one song, uh, Isaiah always plays it. What does it sound just like? What, uh, oh, crap. There's this one song on that a friend plays. Uh, he's sound, and he does it when he's getting the PA set up. Yeah. And it sounds... Just like somebody, and I can't think who it is. Was it a heavier song? No, it was a more poppy thing. Last of our kind. Damn it, I can't think of what it is. But it sounds just like another band. I mean, just yeah. Well, like. that that album has several riffs and harmony parts. Where you're like, I know this from somewhere. Yeah. So like, they may be taking they were, they some. They were good. They're really good at that. Yeah, kind of like Green Day did a few years ago. Borrowing the right uh, stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm not a fan. Oh yeah, Chicago. Totally. Let's see what else we got going on nowadays. Avenge Sevenfold, they they got double guitar. I mean, that's why they're so good at playing the Dio. That's and kind the of the problem most that I can think of of this kind of generation is those two guys. Listen to them. I taught a couple songs to guitar students, but yeah, um, but yeah, those two guys were 
because they got a real maiden element going on in their stuff too. That you gotta be, you gotta have two good guitar players to be able to play that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I figured we gotta include them. Um, band called Priestess. I don't know if you guys know them. They got Dan Watchhorn and uh, Mikey Hepner. I've got a Priestess record. Yeah. They got some pretty cool guitar duo stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, check that out. That's pretty cool. Um, Jack Black and Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. Yeah, that's a good, that's right? A that's a good guitar duo, right? With acoustics. Yeah, Shit, yeah but they're band. rocking you know back is? and forth. Shredding on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I had to include that. <laughs> um, then, of course, nowadays you got Kerry King and Gary Holt in Slayer. Yeah. And Gary Holt's freaking awesome, you know, from Exodus. And that's, he's come in and picked that new, up. That Repentless is killer. Yeah. That's a good Slayer record. Um, got Glenn Tipton and Richie Faulkner nowadays. Man. Man, Richie Faulkner's awesome. I went to. Uh, we can clear up that neither of you are Richie Fox. Yes, we, yes, we can. Or <laughs> Doug Aldrich. He's on the not Richie Faulkner. Right. Uh, I got to see right. that lineup, man. Richie blew my head off. He's a great yeah. Yeah. killer. Awesome. And fits the role well. Yeah. I mean, they, they're letting him really go. He has a lot of solo sections in the show. That yeah. Kind of Change some arrangements to give him some more time, even solo, but really That's fits cool. in well and. Yeah, he's. I love that guy. He's yeah, great. he's perfect. He's fit. great. Well, that new album they did with him is really good. Yeah, I mean, he's I, a great yeah, guitar player. Him. That's killer. He's scary good. Mm -hmm. uh, Toki Wartooth and Squiskar Squig Elf. Huh? Yeah. Does anybody know <laughs> what I'm talking about? All right, good. <laughs> good. Yeah. I was hoping if I said that, at least somebody would get the joke. Yeah, yeah Death Clock. And then my final one. Paul Stanley and Tommy Thayer. You've been waiting the whole episode for this, Chris. Let's yeah. hear it. You jumped on it early. Yeah, you couldn't wait. Uh, now here's your chance. Offered that gig, who I, no one would turn that take in the heartbeat, man. And I, I don't blame him, wear at all. The, everything and but do the thing. And the thing is, is great. Ace was never fired, Ace always quit. Yeah, so he's if never Ace Fraley doesn't want to be Ace Fraley of Kiss, then you know, what are they gonna yeah. do? No, they did what they had to do. He's good, he's can he plays the he, he plays, plays it right well. every night, you, you know. know and I, yeah. If you're gonna have to go that route, then he's the guy, yeah. Yeah. But do you guys see them as a duo the way you look at Ace uh, Fraley and Paul Stanley? I mean, uh, I enjoyed Monster. I know not everybody did, but I thought there's some pretty good playing on that album. Yeah. Like Sonic Boom was, had some cool stuff. Sonic Boom was yeah. good, but he was, I thought he was, it was way too color by numbers Ace Fraley yeah. stuff yeah. on that one. Yeah, like, I, I mean, Monster, he's taking sections you get more of a solos taste and putting him. them on yeah. new songs. Yeah, right. <laughs> on Monster, he's yeah. at least trying a little bit to be himself, I think. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. So I, I thought he actually sounds more like himself, although we don't need any more songs about space travel or lightning or... Yeah, yeah no, if they do yeah, another album, good. let's just let the guy be himself. We're good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but great guitar player, fits in perfect yeah, for what he's doing. Well, absolutely. you guys have, you know, played on the same ship with him. What yeah, are, are your thoughts on that? Having done five Kiss Cruises now and... I don't know, being around that organization a bit. Tommy's always been very cool. He's been complimentary of my guitar playing. He actually comes to our shows. That's cool. You know, so I don't have anything bad to say about him. Yeah. Except, watch your gig, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you could definitely pull it off. And if, and if Paul decides to hang it up, I've got a guy here also. Because <laughs> saw them play at the the Kissmas show last year. Jeremy's got every mannerism of Ace down and his playing down. 
And then Phil literally becomes possessed and turns into Paul Stanley. It's like the ghost of Paul was, Stanley, who isn't dead yet. And I yet. watched all rehearse, and you had it going on over. pretty good. But like by the third or fourth song, I was like, "Holy shit, he's channeling Paul Stanley from." Oh, and there's and this stuff is available on YouTube. And if you look it up, well, I mean, what it just uh, uh like it worked, the band is called Blonder Than Hell, right? Yeah. Um, but you can look up uh, Merry Christmas Nashville. And it'll pull up a lot of shit. And watch the other years too, because you guys do a varied set list every year, and it's different stuff every year. Yeah, and we really for it's for Kiss nerds like, yeah. like us. present company. <laughs> sure. We dig deep. We play something off the Elder every year. Yeah, we play yeah. stuff that didn't even get released. They play yeah. acrobat. Acrobat. We play acrobat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we do solo album stuff. And yeah, go on YouTube, check that out. You guys will say we found our favorite Kiss tribute mm-hmm. band, no doubt about it. Especially right. if you're into the deeper cut stuff, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it was very really cool. Stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, residency because I'm gonna have an article out on the website about that. Also, can you give just a brief history of how it got started and, and where it's going? We're coming up on two years. Yeah. It actually started way before the residency. It was called It's Only Rock and Roll, wasn't it? But it started before it that. started when he and I started doing tribute bands together. Right. Yeah. And just, you know, and that's that was, all for fun. So, you know, a group of friends could get together and play their favorite music. Because I got, I was getting, this is like a long time ago, I was getting pissed off that there was a few of these, like, jams that got together and they did these things. I was getting really pissed off that I got, like, I just got, like, you know, the stiff arm and didn't get invited to these things. I said, well, okay, I'm not going to go to your party. I'm going to start my own party. I'm going to invite my friends and you can't come. So we started doing these shows called uh, Metal at the Mercy. That's the Kiss Mercy. And that's kind of where I think it it really got into the thing where it's like we were the core band and had a bunch of guests come up and we'd do Early Priest, UFO, Motorhead, Mm -hmm. you know, we even did the Big Four one year and Rainbow and, you know, all... Early Scorpions, Early Accept, all that stuff. We did three of those, and then we did an Aerosmith tribute night where we did Toys in the Attic and Rocks, mm, right on. both records back to back. That's awesome. And then then Lizzie, then Kiss, and then the, we did a Maiden yeah. thing at the the um, one Metal Diversity was a Maiden thing, which was went over killer. Yeah, you know we've done ACDC, just any all of our favorite seventies bands. So. Yeah. Uh, April of 2014, we both had a lot of holes in our calendar, and it's like, man, we need some shit going on. So I thought, hey, let's maybe we can try a weekly thing, and we'll just pick from our tribute bands, and we can fill up a month. Mm-hmm. You know, of course he thought it was a great idea. So we were going to start at Dan McGinnis and just work our way down the street. Because we didn't want to do it at a venue. We wanted to do it somewhere different where we'd get a new... Crowd, right? Yeah. We don't want to make. We don't want to make it like coming to a concert, right? It was like let's just go and damn it, get it had a patio, it was a good yeah. place to hang. It was, out. And it's and we like where it was because right. we're gonna get foot traffic, mm-hmm. people that don't normally come. To and see I'd what seen we do. a band doing a residency there, which is where I met my wife. No kidding. Uh, so I knew they were open to stuff like that. Yeah. And that you know they had a place for music, even though it's not necessarily a venue. Right. So yeah, we started there and. You know, laid it on the guy. He said, Quinn? I know who you guys are. No, it wasn't Quinn. It was a uh, guy named Jason. Yeah. Though. I know who you guys oh, Jason, are. Yeah, I know Jason. And I, I think that's a great idea. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. He's, He's like, awesome. what do y'all want? It's like, I don't know, maybe this minuscule amount of money and a meal? Like, perfect. So it was only for it was only for a month, and all four went great. Like, why don't we not stop? Let's just go through the summer. Yeah. So we went right. through the summer, and the summer went great, and... Then the falls, and we when 
Chuck Garrick was playing bass yep. with us, but then he had yeah. to leave to do the Alice Cooper Motley tour. Right. So then, excuse me, when the Alice Motley show came to Bridgestone, Chuck hooked it up yeah. where yeah. we were yeah. the after party, and Alice came and played. I yeah, was that was big news. All and over. then after that, we were kind of on the on the map, and then we were just like, well, let's just keep on going until nobody comes anymore. <laughs> let's just but keep he, on playing. He had, already, he had already booked the Alice band to play anyway, right. like in between our sets, and, you know... Alice didn't commit until that day, so so the band was coming anyway, and then Alice was like, "Yep, I'm doing it." So that's awesome. Up that there, was, get him out. It was surreal seeing him there. Yeah, that was, and I, I'm just now going to get to see my first Alice Cooper show on this May second. So well, the, my first oh, cool. exposure to him was seeing him. They are with absolutely you know. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be killer in T-Pack, too. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like yeah. a play. Oh, it's yeah. Be theater. Yeah, yeah, we spent top dollar yeah, to get all Alice Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Every time yeah. I've seen Alice so Cooper, stoked. it's been him either sharing the bill or opening for somebody. And every time I see him opening for somebody, I say, this isn't right. You know, Alice mm-hmm. Cooper should never open for anybody yeah. ever. <laughs> and now, finally, we're going to see him in a theater setting doing It's Just Him. That's like evening killer. with Alice Cooper. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm so excited for but, it. But, I mean, you guys have had so many yeah, so many names come out to play Evan Stanley. That Evan one night, Evan that was Jam, that was great. awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's a nice a kid, super cool. nice guy. He's a super cool really kid. Nice. Yeah, I liked him. And then uh, we'll we'll name off some of the people you've had. Uh, Karabi comes all the time. Yeah. Mark um, Slaughter. We Mark actually Slaughter. had except except the playing. entire oh, band yeah. except before Christopher was the uh, official drummer. It was kind of his tryout, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, yeah. I was like, let's, they even rehearsed. I was like, let's go do let's go do a gig, you know. Yeah. So Mark was down here and. They played. Cool. Uh, you know, Peter was Peter Baltus was one of the first guys mm-hmm. that started coming and wanting to play and not wanting to do except songs. I'm like, cool. What do you want to do? And he's like, let's do Deep Purple. Deep Purple. Let's right do Tokyo. On. You know, so yeah. we did that. And um, uh, uh, Derek St. Holmes has been down. Kip Winger, yeah. Jeff Labar, Eric Brittingham. Yeah, he's, he's a regular. Yeah, he's, our, he's, he's the bass player now. He's our bass player, Judd Fuller, and and he swap out yeah. weeks. Um, so Damon was Sandy one of the Gennaro. first to come out. Damon yeah. Johnson came out the first night. Sandy Gennaro plays a lot. Jeez, yeah. uh, I don't want to miss anybody. We've had a ton. We get the big, the big ones. And Roger uh, Glover and uh, Roger Glover and Darnay recently um, came Rob, out two weeks in Robin a row. Sander. Robin Sander. Robin Sander. Yeah. 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 February wound up being like a <laughs> celebration <laughs> of uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, how many, <laughs> how many awesome. pitch me moments have you had it's lately? A lot. A lot. When we did the Def Leppard cruise, you know, we had... Pretty much most of the bands sitting in with. We got to play with Vinny Apice. Oh, yeah, nice. we did Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell with Vinny. Oh, Jesus. wow. That was a huge one. Frank Hannon didn't want to leave the stage. Yeah, uh, he, I don't blame him. He was, uh, we, <laughs> we started doing, uh, we were doing Lights Out. So yeah. we were going to, well, Frank Hannon could kill the UFO stuff. So he came up and we did that. And Snorting Whiskey was next. He's like, yeah. Can I stay for Snorting Whiskey? Yeah, we're like, sure. Awesome. He did that. He did some mountain like, with you're us. asking me. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure, Frank Hannon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so, Frank. But the guys from, um, uh, Jimmy Chocolate Chalfont and Ronnie Tintin uh, Youngkins from Kicks did Mama Ken oh, right and Ronnie sang wow. lead and Steve apparently didn't know Ronnie was singing so I was watching Steve watching Ronnie sing lead and Steve was just like watching did it was glued on him the whole time like so proud of was like this is so cool to see nice. and then he looked at me and I was like look at this guy was like, oh, wow. but yeah it was really cool that's oh, awesome uh, Kip, Kip Winger and Paul Taylor yeah, yeah Paul, um, Cooper played this Mouse Cooper with us alright on and wow. Kip played Helter Skelter with us yeah, on right. the cruise and Alice Cooper night at the residency. And uh, Terry Hughes from uh, Great White, XYZ, yeah. he, he sang some songs he with us. He sang some songs right with on. us. It was awesome. Uh, we played 30 Days in the Hole, and we got oh, done. Shit. And he's in my ear, he's like, oh my God, 
You're so good. Yeah, I had no French, idea. Right. But I wouldn't because I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> That's only understandable, Terry. It's, it's okay. Yeah. We did Highway to Hell and then Frank got back up. Wow. Man, so yeah, cool. that, that was a uh, that was a big one. I know we're missing all kinds of people on the on the regular. Yeah, well, I know our our like buddy two. Todd Zilla's come up and played with you guys. Oh yeah, right? Todd oh, Zilla's yeah. been. Yeah, Todd Zilla had some great uh, interviews with you guys. Yeah, Todd's, Todd's awesome, killer. man. We love him. Yeah, I mean, I try to tell people if you're planning on coming to Nashville on any kind of vacation, this is something you got to do. You got to plan into it. Make sure there's a rock and roll residency going on when you're in town. Because if you're a listener of this show, you will you're love. Like the set you list. will yeah. love it. And yeah, we, we, we the first time I went down there, the show. I walked in. It's like look at all these people in all these awesome T-shirts. You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that guy's got a Van Halen shirt I've never seen before. And whoa, look what that shirt that guy's wearing. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just such an awesome community down there. And I never see nobody arguing. I don't see nobody oh, pissed off. Everybody's time. smiling. Everybody's Man, the rocking. Best part all of the show is what's happening off the stage. Yeah, totally. Yeah, really and cool. unfortunately, we never get to take part in it. No? <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but I, so it, I mean, I'm guessing the plan is to just continue doing it, right? Yeah. We're, we're, there's no Tuesday off. Yeah. We're I not, mean, at all. We're, unless we're on a cruise or playing out of town or something yeah. we're, we're yeah. on every week and if you if you go to Facebook and look us up it's the with two E's rock and roll residency yes. and um, if, if, if we're off we will let you know on on, uh, on that but yeah. we're pretty much steadily on yeah, or Brandy will let you know or Brandy will let you know yeah. yes she will and I'll, uh, I'll put a link to all this stuff in the show notes on the, the episode and that way people can go check it out there but go and like the page because even if you're out of town they're always posting videos and pictures of these people of that show up. Cool people show yeah, up. So yeah. it's worth liking the page alone yeah. just to be able to see all this stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's been great to finally get you guys over here to do this because we've been yeah. wanting to do it for a long time. Thanks for having, yeah. having us. Appreciate it. I love the show. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 